Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. If you're a fan of the show, write us a review and tell your friends about us. And if you donate at thebittersweetlife.net, you'll not only help keep the show going, you'll get a handwritten thank you note in the mail. And we will never forget you. Also, if you want to sponsor the show, contact us through thebittersweetlife.net. And if you're new, welcome. I'm Katie Sewell. This show begins in Rome, right after I quit my job as a senior producer for public radio and moved there. This was totally out of my character. My co-host is Tiffany Parks. She's a writer, author of Midnight in the Piazza, and she's my childhood friend. And she also moved to Rome, but over a decade ago. She flew there with no real plan and managed to stay. Don't be afraid to start way back at the beginning. I promise you'll be entertained. And don't be afraid to start thinking about how you might want your life to be different. We're all on this journey together. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. I'm Tiffany Parks. And Tiffany. Yes. You've been having a guest at your house recently. Yes. I was so happy to welcome my niece, Hannah, Hannah Ritter, to Rome this past weekend-ish, a little more than a weekend. We had a wonderful time in Rome. The weather was terrible, but it was supposed to pour down buckets of rain every day she was here. And actually, we pretty much avoided the rain, although it was gray and and not very nice, but at least we avoided the rain. But we had a wonderful time. We went to lots of places, including a couple of places that I've never been before, which was really fun. Like what? I know we did hear on the Thursday episode about the Holy Stairs, but anything else? Yes, we also went to a church near there called Santi Quattro Coronati. Did you ever go to that church when you were in Rome? I don't know. Where is it? It's on the Chilean hill, not far from San Clemente. It's really, really extraordinary church. A medieval church with a beautiful frescoed oratorio from the 13th century and another gorgeous cloister. I'm like into cloisters right now. I'm writing an article on cloisters in Rome and I'm, and I'm starting to discover them all and I just adore them. What is a cloister for anyone who doesn't know? So a cloister is part of an abbey or a monastery, an inner part. Usually there's a garden in the middle and a portico, a columned portico around the outside that's covered. So you could be in the shade or you can be in the sun. And it's very, very tranquil place where the nuns or the monks originally, a lot of these places don't have actual nuns or monks living there anymore. But when they did, you know, use the word cloistered, these monks or nuns were, a lot of them, not all, but were cloistered, so they never left. They never went out into the real, you know, into the real world, into the outside world. <laughs> and so they would just spend time in there, and that was where they would walk and meditate and pray. And they're such beautiful, tranquil places, and they're a wonderful way to escape some of the chaos of the city when you need it. So back to this niece, though. Yes. I saw pictures of her. She's an adult person. Looks like she's in her 20s. She's 22. It doesn't feel to me like you're old enough to have a niece that's that old. Well, thank you, Katie. That's very <laughs> sweet of you. But I am a great aunt. Uh, do you mean that in like a, I'm a great aunt? <laughs> I, <laughs> both. I'm a very great aunt, I think, hope. 
But no, I have grown up nieces and nephews who have children of their own. I both, uh, my oldest nephew and my oldest niece, they were both parents before I was. Wow. Because I have siblings much older than myself and I became an aunt at six years old. Oh. But Hannah is actually not one of my sister's kids. Those of you who are listening know that I am one of six girls, the youngest. Four of them half-sisters, one of them a whole sister. But actually, Hannah is the daughter of my stepsister, mm. my stepfather's youngest daughter. This is her oldest daughter, if that makes sense. But since my mom and my stepdad were married before Hannah was born, to me... I've known her since she was born. So to me, she's my niece just as much as the rest of them. You know, we don't have any blood relation, but she's still my niece. Ah, that's great. Well, it was lucky for me and for all of you listening that you guys decided to sit down and do an interview while she was there. (laughs) And an interview, by the way, that I found absolutely delightful. And hopefully all of you guys will feel the same way because you're about to hear it. Thank you for doing that. And um, I guess... We'll have you just kick off the tape. Where did you begin your conversation with her? Well, we began with, she's been living in France. She is and has been a young expat. And so I just asked, what brought you to France and what has kept you there? Yeah. Oh my gosh. This story feels like it takes place so long ago, but actually it was only two years ago. I started studying French at Chapman University and fell in love with it. I was a business major and I... I liked business, but French offered something totally different from business. So I said, why not? And I decided to double major in it. And to double major, you had to study abroad. So spring of 2017, I moved to Cannes in Normandy and studied abroad, fell in love with it. And I've been coming back kind of off and on ever since. So the past two years. After you finished your student abroad time, did you go back to the States to finish your education? Yeah. So after studying abroad, I had one semester that I had to finish. So I finished at Chapman. And then December, when I was done, I moved back out to Paris, live with our friend, grandparents, and uh, my boyfriend at the time. So the reason I ask you is because I encounter a lot of study abroad students in the form of interns at my work. Oh, oh yeah. And they're usually around 20 years old. Were you 20? Yeah, I was about that age, yeah. So we have these 20-year-old interns, and they're usually wonderful people, but they don't seem to really immerse themselves in Italian culture at all. I recently had an intern. She's a wonderful person, but she didn't explore the city. She didn't, um, yeah, she didn't. tragedy. I know, it was kind of a tragedy. No, she did. She did start, just in case she's listening. Uh, No, she did eventually start exploring. I was like pushing her. Like, I was like, go to Trastevere, go here, go there. But, you know, she hadn't tried Italian pastries. You know, she was going to McDonald's for breakfast. Oh, oh. Yeah, and I feel like so many of my 20-year-old interns have not taken advantage of the place that they're in. And you were such a huge exception to that. So what was was it about maybe you or about maybe your experience or maybe it was the place that you were, that specific town, that Uh, pushed you into French culture, not just being in your little student enclave with your other expat (laughs) friends? I mean, I I totally was. I mean, I had a group that we called ourselves the Fetard, which means partiers in French. But (laughs) it was an entire international community. So I was not just with Americans. I had two really good American girlfriends, but then the rest of them, I was friends with a lot of people from Brazil. I was friends with a lot of people from Spain, Italy. And then going out, discovering the nightlife in Normandy, I met a lot of French people and talking with them learning the language was something that inspired me to continue to keep going. 
I discovered these small things about the culture that made me want to find the next small thing that I loved. And little by little, I just discovered this entire culture that I was obsessed with. <laughs> and you mentioned before that you had a boyfriend. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Did you meet this boyfriend while you were studying in Kant? Yes, yes. Met at, out at one of the bars when I was discovering my love for the culture. <laughs> okay. And did that help you learn French? <laughs> oh, my God. It's, I always say it's grâce à Raphael that I learned the French language. It's, tell everyone what grâce à means. Thanks to Raphael that I learned the French language. I known I knew enough to kind of start a relationship, but I, I had no idea the intricacies that he taught me later on. Well, they say the pillow is the best teacher. <laughs> That's what we say here in Italy, at least. Cheeky, cheeky. Yes. I tell all my interns, I'm like, you've got to get yourself an Italian boyfriend Honestly, if I, you want to learn this language. I, I cannot, and I feel so bad for my girlfriends who came over with boyfriends already because I cannot tell you how much I learned from just dating in French. Yeah. You learn expressions. I mean, everything comes. Also, humor. so much about the culture, I imagine, not just yeah, the language. Yeah. Of having a really, like, intimate and close yeah. relationship with a French person, not just sort of like, yeah. oh yes, this is my host family. And yes, you might yeah. become close with them and care for them, but it's never going to be the same as, yeah. you know, that kind of a relationship. Yeah, you're right. Because I guess it was with Raphael that I learned most of what I know now about the French culture. I mean, it's so drastically different. Just how he approaches every life problems. I would never see it that way. Um, can you give us an example? I mean, for example, I mean, it's very similar to, I'm sure, what you guys have talked about on the podcast before, but the Italian emphasis on family, it's very close to that, at least with him and his family. He is half Italian, so I'm sure that plays a role, but every decision he makes, he incorporates his family into the decision-making process, and that's something... Yikes! Yeah, something... <laughs> Red flag! <laughs> Run. Run, honey. Run. <laughs> I know all about this. Uh, having an Italian husband, especially my in-laws being from the south of Italy. So, yes. Yeah, he's from the south. He's from the south. Double His, red flag. Yeah. French and Italian. Oh, God. Oh, God. Well, I mean, you really got, I mean, two wonderful cultures. But, I mean, and the, thing that, the thing that I do love about it, though, is it shows loyalty to somebody. And that's something I never felt was lacking with him. He was steadfast. That was something I appreciated. And that's rare in a Frenchman. I, I mean, know. you know, that's the, the stereotype is that Frenchmen are not faithful. Yeah. And you, you know what? I have so noticed that too. With my other friends and them dating around with Frenchmen, cheating is something that is so common over there. I've never yeah, I've that. I've heard that. Yeah, I've never. I've never had a French boyfriend, so I don't know from experience, but I have heard that it's much more culturally yeah. accepted. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I see it everywhere. Thankfully, it never. I never had that experience. That never happened to me. But everywhere else, and all of his friends, for example, had that happen to them. It's sad. It is sad. Yeah. Now. So you move back to the States after eight months. You finish yeah. your last semester at school. Yeah. You graduate. What day did you graduate? December. Oh, I don't know. It's December. Sometime in December. Yeah. In 2017. And when did you go back to France? <laughs> Three days after graduation. <laughs> Not even, honestly. <laughs> I'm curious. Was it the love of France or was it? Raphael. Uh, Raphael, yes. Okay. So it was the guy. It was the guy, yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's half and half. I knew before Raphael that I wanted to come back. I met Raphael at the end of my study abroad experience, so I'm really comfortable in saying I'd, 
I loved the country before I loved him. So I think that's what made me okay with making a big decision like that to move to another country. It was I knew that my love for it, for the country, was a solid foundation. That's good, yeah. I mean, I was living in Rome for four years before I met Claudio, so I really have the same See, sense. Yeah, yeah. And people ask me, oh, you moved to Rome for love. I was like, no, I moved no. to Rome for Rome. Yeah, for And Rome. then I found love here. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you would have moved, though, oh. at, at, if it hadn't been for Raphael? Yes, I do. do. I do. Because at the time of my graduation, I was still on this high from study abroad. I mean, it was truly the time of my life that I had there. I felt like my study abroad experience wasn't complete. And I remember talking to my best friend and she was telling me, yeah, you know, before I went abroad, I had all these talks about, you know, your study abroad time is coming to a close. You may start to really miss your family. You're starting to get homesick and you just have one month left and you want it to go faster because you want to be home. You want your car, you want your bed, whatever. And they encouraged her to just try and live out that last month and really enjoy it. And I was like, I never had that. (laughs) I never felt that. I never felt that my time was coming to a close. I cried on the way home, you know. So I knew I needed to come back. I knew I needed to come back. And how long did you come back for? (gasps) Three months. (laughs) Why three months? Why not longer? It was just really hard to find a job. Ultimately, it was like the degree that I have is in business and environmental sustainability and French. So I did the double, but... Basically for that, I needed a master's. And if I wanted to do a master's, I would have to get the visa starting in San Francisco and then come back over. To do a master's in France? To do a master's in France, yeah. Wow, would you, are you capable of doing a master's level program in the French language? I mean, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think I would. I wouldn't have a problem with it. She's so modest, she doesn't want to admit that her I French is I mean, so amazing that she I could... Mean, they, say, they say that you need a B2 level. So like on all the programs that I was looking at, it said you need a B2 level, and this program is open to um, étranger, uh, foreigners. This, this program is open to foreigners, and you need a B2 level. I'm above B2. Okay. So I felt fine. You know, and I, of course I'm going to have problems in like technical words and stuff like that. But I mean, you just learn that. This is how you learn, you know? You launch. <laughs> I love that. That's yeah. like the message of our show sometimes. A lot of, a lot of the deep message of our show is like, yeah, just launching yourself. Just do it. You launch. You launch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. you just have to go for it. Yeah, you just go for it. That's amazing. I, I actually, little known fact, did my master's in French. <laughs> <laughs> but caveat, I was a music major. <laughs> so, you know. I, still, you would ask, I mean, I'm sure you know words in that domain that I have no idea. I knew words. I've forgotten them. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but luckily, it was, uh, it was in Canada. A lot of people that I worked with, like my closest teachers, happened to speak English. And so I did yeah. speak English for like half of the time. So yeah. it wasn't as hard as uh, it would sound to people listening. I kind of slid through there. Um, <laughs> I feel that about a lot of things in life. I'm like, oh, I, I actually did that. Are we sure? Now let's fast forward to present day. I was in Paris for three months after graduation. Paris. Yes. Okay. And then I went back. Well, why I, did? You, oh, you said you went back because you couldn't get a job. I was. I, I'm yes, not paying attention. Clearly, <laughs> getting distracted. So I couldn't. Yes, the job was hard, and so I was like, okay, I'll do a master's or. I had also, while I was in Paris at this time, I had applied for the TAPIF, which is Teaching Assistant Program in France. It was one of my old professors had recommended me to it and written my letter of recommendation. So I went back home, I got a job, and basically right after I got this job in July of 2017, I got a letter saying I'd been accepted to the program to teach English in the Normandy region. And I kind of sat on it for a really long time because the thing is, it's never like I hated home. I loved home. I love my home. I'm so close with my family and I'm, I have this awesome group of girlfriends and 
I was never like I didn't want to be there. It was just I had other things to do in a different place at the time. So I sat on accepting the position for a while and then was like, when is this going to come up again? And my mom and I, we were sitting, we were having pizza and a glass of wine. And she was like, you got to do it, Hannah. (laughs) You don't have a choice. And so I came back to France in September of 2018 then. Less than a year ago. Yep. Yep. And you've been doing that job? Yep. Yep. Okay. This is, we're getting to the point. So now we're getting up to the, yeah. The crux of the story because (laughs) Hannah has decided. Oh no, don't say it like that. (laughs) To move back to the States. I hope you can insert some like scary, sad music in there. (laughs) Katie, insert some scary, sad music. sad for, for personal reasons. We saw each other very briefly nice. when you were studying yeah. abroad. You came to Rome. You came through Rome briefly with I a couple friends. Rome, yeah. We literally had lunch together. That I mean, was it. Yeah. But I loved the thought that I had a relative know, over here. I know. Even as, you know, as close as France. Mm-hmm. I just kind of loved that thought. And I also kind of loved the idea that <laughs> my niece was following in my footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even deny. I mean, it was... Yeah, it was a big motivator for me moving back, too, was it was like, well, I'm not the first one to do it. I'm not crazy. Aunt Tiffany did it before me. She's the crazy one, (laughs) not me. Yay! I love inspiring people to be crazy. So you've decided to move back to the States now. You've made the decision. Because you told me you were coming to Rome, so we made plans to hang out. I just assumed you were here on vacation. I didn't realize you were wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. I'm wrapping up. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess it's been a hard decision. I don't know. I mean, I love France and I don't feel like I'm letting it go is the other thing. I don't think me moving back needs to mean that like I'm closing myself off to France. It's just for now, I want a job in the States and I want to be close to my sister. My sister graduates from college next year. I want to be close to her and I want to be close to my mom. She's bought this new house and my best friend lives in San Francisco and I don't know. I miss that. I miss Mm -hmm. that. And there's this awesome job opportunity in Colorado to speak French in a company. And so that's what I'll do. I mean, that's great. I'm really surprised because I, of course, see everything from my point of view because, you know, we all do. Maybe. Maybe other people don't. But I was like, why would she be so happy to be leaving France? I'm so happy. I'm glad that you're happy because... um, when my mom said, oh, she's moving back home, yeah. I thought, oh my gosh, did something happen? No. Is she not happy there? Gosh, no. It's like, it's always so sad to leave. I hate leaving, but I just know that for now, this is kind of what I want. This is something I want to try, you know? France was a new experience for me when I came here, and now my new experience is going to be having a big girl job, you know? I'm going to have a big girl job, <laughs> and I'm going to get an apartment by myself, or, you know, maybe I'll have a roommate or two because I I get lonely (laughs) (laughs) but the point is you won't be renting some room in some rando person's apartment no yeah you won't be like couch surfing no I'm not going to be couch surfing anywhere I'm done kind of living this like student lifestyle I'm I really want to try this and I'll see how it goes that doesn't mean I'm going to plant my feet in Colorado and never move again I'll just I'll try this for a couple years and I know I'm gonna want to come back I know I'm gonna want to come back 
So I'll figure it out then. But this is the, the newest opportunity that's come to me, and I'm going to take it. Well, it sounds good. You sound like you're in a good place. Yeah. I mean, you kind of got to stick to your guns too, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> what about your French boyfriend? Oh, love a Ralph. Little Ralph. I mean, he's really good. We've stayed close. So, I mean, we've kind of been together off and on ever since I was abroad just because of distance. But it's basically just we're in really different places. So he's going to an engineering school. He wants to go into renewable energies. And he doesn't know where he'll be. He may be in Brussels, elsewhere. We don't really know where he's going to be. And me, I want a big girl job. I want to... Why do you think you can't have a big girl job as an expat? (laughs) I mean, I've tried. It's really hard. At least with the French system, I know you need to have a master's. For most of the jobs that I would want, I need a master's. Which is totally something I'm into doing. But, like, not right now. Okay. I want my big girl job. So I'm going to have my big girl job. And like I said, in a couple of years, if there's an opportunity to do my master's in France again, absolutely. That's also, I'm not going to lie, part of the motivation behind having a job that requires speaking in French. So you keep it up. So I keep it up. Exactly. And, you know, I was even thinking I could even be doing classes on the side where I'll be, I'll be really close to several universities. I can be doing night classes or whatever, but I'll have my job for a bit and then master's later. So before we end, I just want to ask you, like, what advice do you have to any young people who want to go abroad, whether mm. they're going to be going to study abroad for a semester or a year mm. or whether they're just just want to move abroad? Yeah. What advice do you have to someone to, like, get the best out of that experience, whether it's a long or a short experience? Yeah. Gosh. Well, you know, if I were talking to myself who was going abroad, I would say, remember, remember to just be open to it, I guess. I had a lot of friends who always said, well, they're just kind of embarrassed to speak French with a French person. They feel they're going to make mistakes and whatnot. And it's like, look, you're there. Just you're being earnest. You know, you're there to learn the language. And they all know that. And who's going to reject some poor little kid who comes into their shop asking for some ice cream, you know, and, and with a weird accent and a fumbly voice. Nobody's going to reject that person. Be open. When we were walking around Trastevere earlier today, you said something that your mom had told you. Oh, yeah. So your mom had studied cultural psychology? So my mom is a therapist, and she had a couple of classes in cultural psych, I believe. And when I was in France and having a hard time adjusting to the new culture, she said there was one thing she took away from her psych class that she really, that stuck with her the entire time. And the thing was, seek first to understand and then to be understood. So you listen, you observe, you just kind of wait your time. Then after you feel like you have a good feel on the situation, you insert yourself and you give your opinion or you ask questions. And I love that because I feel like so many of us expats, me included, like, well, in America, (laughs) we do it like this. (laughs) Now, I've been here for so long that I I give myself a pass on that right now. I'm so entrenched in Italian culture that I can be like, God, in America, the customer service is so much better or whatever it is, you know, but it is true. I remember being an exchange student in high school. It would have been very good advice for me too at that time. Yeah. Yeah. Seek first to understand and then to be understood. Well, thank you so much for letting me interview you, Hannah. Of course. And we wish you all well on your next adventure in the States. And who knows, maybe you will be back in France one day. You know it. Absolutely. (laughs) This has been The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks. Join us again. Bye. 
Thanks to Lori Lee Elliott for her help managing the bittersweet life on YouTube, and to Sarah Johnson for her consultation. Our logo is made by Jody Rick at the Lost Laboratory, with painting assistance by our muse, Caravaggio. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for The Bittersweet Life Podcast. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. That way we're here for you every week, both on Monday and now on Thursday. And if you review us on Apple Podcasts, we'll be grateful for you. Send us your topic ideas, questions, and voice memos. We're at bittersweetlife at mail.com or at the contact us page at thebittersweetlife.net.